no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the 40 Yard Switch. As always, I am your host Jasper Woody Woodson and this week I am welcoming back into the studio uh, co-host Wilbur Kudelooks. How are you, mate? Doing well. Doing well. Doing particularly well this week, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sort of unbelievable result. Yeah. uh, Given... I mean, I mean, we'll get to it in a bit, but like, given the reverse fixture, like what happened in the reverse fixture at home um, at Goodison, um, to come out and beat them, like while they're seventh in the table, is uh, yeah, incredible. It was good. It was very good. Yes, we are. Of of, of course, we are talking about uh, Everton beating Brighton and Hove Albion five one at the Amex. Uh, a massive result. I've <laughs> written in my notes a massive result in the title race, and I meant the relegation battle, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I digress. What was the reserve reverse fixture? Um, we lost to them. I think it was four one at, oh, Go- at Goodison. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was while I was in the UK. Oh yeah. We. Oh no, I do vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. Just shortly after the city game. I yeah, think, yeah, I went to the Wolves game where we lost in the last minute, and then went to the city game, drew one all, and they came back to Goodison. I didn't go to the game because it was my auntie's birthday, and they yeah. lost. They lost four one. Yep. But back on, on aggregate this season, Everton are one goal up on Brighton. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, um, seemed to be from from literally start to finish, uh, they they were better. Brighton hit the post a, hit the post a couple times, but uh, Everton well and truly uh, worth all three points. Um, De Cure, uh and Dwight McNeil stealing the stealing the show, or probably getting the most of the plaudits, but. I feel like everyone's got to play well for a result like that to happen. Mm. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the biggest... I mean, I think Dekure has been huge for us since since coming back in. Some of it was frozen out a bit earlier in the season too, so it's good to see him. Yeah, frozen out, I think injured, and then obviously got... Um, like, I saw on Everton Reddit, like, um, you know, what might have happened if he didn't push Harry Kane in the face in the Tottenham game. True. And we, if we might be in a better position, because when he plays, we seem to be a lot better. Um, and when obviously when Dominic Calvert-Lewin plays, we've been a lot better. The results since he's been in the side have been, I've come back into the side have been a lot better. So I think those two are, are the big kind of difference makers, and hopefully they continue to do so. Yeah, because what it's been two draws and now a win since Dom returned to the side. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you undefeated? Yeah, no, because we drew with Palace, Palace when he came back in, and then what was the last game we drew? We drew with... against Leicester. That's right. Yeah. So if I'm looking at your results, the last three rounds, two all against Leicester, four, the four one loss to Newcastle was rough, um, and then nil all against Palace. Yeah. But and then so yeah, two draws are lost and a win since Dominic Cavalier returned to the side. Is a, is a, is an upturn in what the overall season form has been. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So hopefully it's a sign of things to come. I mean, like I don't think looking at it, we were like like penciling in three points against Brighton at, at the Amex. So it's, it's obviously a huge boost. I definitely don't think you were penciling in three points. <laughs> They're going for European football and you guys are, were in the relegation zone. So, But yeah, I think, um, 
yeah, it's it, it, it it's obviously a huge result. It got us out of the um, relegation zone. Yeah, yeah, we definitely won't play <laughs> three points. But yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at at, at who we've got next. We've got next City at games. home next. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So yeah, I I think looking at it before we were really just like relying on Wolves and Bournemouth, like six points from those last two games. Now we're in a slightly better position. I mean, still be good to to win both of those games, and we've been like clear. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think the City game next week is very interesting. Yeah, I think I think because obviously, like, just because you've won now and you're out of the relegation zone, every every game is still must win from here on out. That's you know, like obvious. But I do think the City game is a less like daunting prospect now I mm. feel like because that because before like the little run of results you've gone on you're kind of looking at it as like oh if we're still in a real relegation scrap and then we get like pummeled by City it's going to be like super low spirits and you know what I mean now the boys are up and about you know what I mean like they're on a roll of like what's like two, like I said two draws um, a loss and a win in their last four um, what a run <laughs> yeah <laughs> incredible run um and also, like you're playing, you're playing City, but you're also playing City at home, yeah. and you're playing City, who looked a little leggy this morning. And we'll touch on that later when we talk about the Champions League game. But City did look a little leggy in the second half against Madrid. Mm. So, I think the last few, like City's, I think there's a lots, lots of things going on with the Everton fixture, like a, a, against City. Obviously, there was, there's the the. The reverse fixture, we drew with them at the Etihad. And played them pretty well, to your report. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we played decently. Then there's the game last year in the second half of the Premier League season against City um, when they were going for the title against, obviously, Liverpool. And there was all the controversy, so there's like... The oh, history. the handball that yeah. wasn't given. Yeah. That was last season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still pisses me off to this So, day. yeah, th- there's obviously the implications for the title chase. Then there's the Brighton result, which like just takes a little bit of pressure off, like you said. Um, but also b- builds confidence at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Like you can go out there and just play a little bit more freer, in it, like knowing that you know you scored five goals against a very good Brighton side last week. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a super interesting fixture, and I honestly think, I honestly think we could go out and and beat them. <laughs> <laughs> really, I was more thinking a, a similar result as the away as the away fixture, uh, and I take that as an Arsenal fan, that's for sure. Yeah, but I just think. You know, obviously it's optimistic to say that we're going to take all three yeah. points. But I I do think that, you know, what happened in the game last year when we were fighting relegation, they're going for the title, was like just like shocking. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, it would be very nice. And it's, sim- it's a very similar group of players that, that went through that. So, yeah. yeah. And also, yeah, I, I, I'm never going to, you know, sort of count out City based on, you know, past performances because City can just come out any 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 game of any round and be amazing. But if you look at their past three performances, a shaky 2-1 win against Fulham, a shaky 2-1 win against possibly soon-to-be-relegated Leeds, and mm. then I, w- I wouldn't say like a shaky game because it's Real Madrid, but like not the most convincing performance against Real Madrid. Mm. Uh, so And a, re- a result where they looked a little bit leggy. So yeah, I I, I can I can it's it's set up very nicely for in what in my opinion is for this to be a draw, mm. this to be like a, a, a frustrating afternoon for Man City supporters and like a, another confidence boosting point and like step in the right direction for Everton supporters. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I'll, I'll just take it one step further and yeah. say that I think we're going to win. How are we going to win? <laughs> um, but, right. but yeah, I, I think it's definitely true that they... I mean, we spoke about this, you know, when we had the episode where you said that Arsenal were going to win the league. Like, we spoke about their, their run of results making it more difficult for them. And that still, that still can happen. They've still got lots of football to play. Um, Have I mentioned on air yet what I said to you off air about how I think I've jinxed it since I since I said that? No, I don't think so. Ah, okay. Well, say your point and then I'll get onto that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I suppose that's my point. It's like you know we we were saying then that you know they have a lot of football to play, um, and very high stakes football in you know in a Champions League semi final with all of the difficult games in the Premier. Like every game's difficult. Like I think there's still scope for them to to slip up yeah they don't seem like they're like I, I think if you take it back a couple of weeks they don't seem like they're just flying and found, have found the next gear no again yeah since, they since seem to have petered a little bit since they beat us they haven't really looked as impressive as they did in the lead up to playing us because they looked really good in the lead up to playing us mm, yeah um, so yeah it's interesting but yeah just just quickly I'm not, <laughs> for some reason I haven't mentioned this on, yet, on air yet but I've said it to Wilbur um from that episode where I said I think Arsenal can, I finally said on air I think Arsenal can win the league. Uh, days later, Saliba got injured, <laughs> and then our torrid run of results and Tomiyasu got injured. Then our torrid run of results happened, uh, which finally culminated in us uh, losing the city and losing uh, our grip on the top of the title uh, on the top of the uh, ladder. So uh, it's just gonna go out this saying I'm never saying anything like that ever again. <laughs> And I think you were holding off saying it like basically all all season probably because for of, that exact because reason. Because of that, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is why I can't have nice things. Uh, anyway, back to the relegation um, battle because it's quite an enthralling prospect for all teams involved. Um, uh, Leicester got thrashed by uh, Fulham on the same day that Everton beat Brighton, and Nottingham Forest beat Southampton on the same day that Everton beat Brighton. Uh, which now puts Everton and Forest out of the relegation zone and Leicester and Leeds into the relegation zone. Uh, uh, Leeds obviously losing 2-1 to Man City, like we just said. Um, one thing that we I didn't mention with Rezik last week on the podcast, mainly because I don't think, with respect to Rezik, I don't think he would have had many opinions on it, is the appointment of Sam Allardyce to Leeds with four games to go to some last gasp, desperate attempt to keep them up. Uh, like I just said, that his um, first... Uh, game as manager was the uh, the 2-1 loss to City um, extremely tough job to go uh, t- tough job to get with four games to go their last three games against Newcastle West Ham and Spurs it's pretty bleak yeah if you're a Leeds fan yeah I, I mean, th- yeah. I mean I, like I, I think we spoke about off air is that it, like it's just becoming like a like a, a very like knee jerk kind of you can't even call it a strategy um but like a little ploy to try and like you know get a dog up the players a little bit because there's nothing there's realistically nothing a manager can change you know in that amount of time yeah like what what's Sam Allardyce really gonna say like yeah like with all respect to Sam Allardyce but yeah all I've heard is like like people on Arsenal Reddit were joking about like three days before the City game they were like Sam Allardyce has got three days to like uh to mastermind the most putrid, disgusting Brexit football result against yeah, City. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's a joke, but essentially, yeah, he's come in to just just be like 11 men behind the ball, hit on the counter, 
score from set pieces. Yeah, see, see, that's the thing. That's like, you know, if that's what the, you know, the higher ups at, at Leeds want, then sure they can just ask the current manager to do that. It's not fucking like rocket science. No, it's not. And like, like, like do they have the only thing, the only thing I can see is they maybe think that Sam Allardyce is a better defensive defensive mind in setting up a team to defend yeah, than whoever else they had. But like, who was it? Javi Gracia or something? Yeah, Javi Gracia. Um, but this just comes back to the point. If if you thought that you should have you should have signed him instead of Javier Garcia, hmm. like I, I don't know where the Javier Garcia appointment came from. Yeah, like yeah, it's not good. The, it seemed rushed at the time, and it's been terror. And the results have been absolutely diabolical since he since yeah. he came in. But yeah, um, I think when we did our mid season review of our uh, start of the season predictions, I think we I'm not sure if you did, but I def I think. One of us definitely picked Leeds to go down after not picking them to go down at the start of the season. Mm. Uh, and that's looking like it's the way it's trending. Yeah. I th- Yeah, I definitely think that Leeds are looking now... I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's I, it's very hard to say. But I think how it currently is is how it's going yeah. to finish. And the last team that is in the bottom three, obviously Southampton, is all but relegated at this point. Leeds in trouble and... Leicester City, with their massive loss to Fulham, now drop into the relegation zone. And it's looking bleak for them, too, with their remaining uh, three games against Liverpool, Newcastle, and West Ham. Uh, Liverpool are flying, uh, and we'll touch on them later, uh, six wins in a row, uh, making a very serious push for Champions League football. Newcastle, the same, trying to make Champions League football for the first time since the 90s. Um, And then West Ham, who have had a very substantial uptick in results in the past month. Um, and we kind of, I don't think we really said it, but we kind of always knew that would happen. Like West Ham were too good to hang around in a relegation scrap for the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so me and Wilbur have both, uh, watched this, um, great TIFO video because TIFO, great, uh, website, YouTube channel, whatever you want to call it, uh, about the struggles that not many of our listeners may not may know about at Leicester and what's what's really gone wrong with them. So I'm going to break down a few of them and then we're going to sort of give our opinion on whether or not they have been as impactful as the TIFO video makes them out to be. But essentially, um, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic impacted all of the Premier League teams, but it impacted Leicester substantially because of their main majority sponsor, King Power International, which is a travel um, company. Uh, or travel, what's, 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 what's a bigger word for corporation? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and King Power's, uh, between 2019 and 2021, King Power's turnover dropped from £2.3 billion to £448 million. So that's, um, I'm not a good percentage man, but that's a lot of, that's like almost £2 billion, uh decrease. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to do the maths. Uh, and Leicester announced uh, losses of £92.5 million earlier this season when clubs announced their finances. Um so that's the first big major sticking point um, as to why maybe they haven't been able to bring in the players they want. Because um, uh, all in all, recruitment has, and the sort of lack of return on recruitment has sort of seen them where, seen Leicester fall to where they are, not necessarily, not necessarily because of bad management. Mm. Um, but also, yeah, Leicester, the, the video explains that Leicester had this uh, quote-unquote Leicester model of selling one key asset every summer since they won the Premier League in 2016 and reinvesting the profits um, wisely. Uh, and it's um, 
it's been pretty fruitful up until the COVID pandemic, but £255 million brought in between 2016 and 2020. Harry Maguire, Riyad Mahrez, Golo Kante, Danny Drinkwater. I can't believe they've still got so much money for him. Mm. And Ben Chilwell. Um, and then, of course, uh, after... After one manager in between Ranieri and Rodgers, they brought in Rodgers and his entire Celtic team and his entire managerial staff from Celtic. And they also spent $100 million on a new training complex. A lot of money going out and not a whole lot of money um, coming in. Uh, but then, yes, the COVID pandemic hits uh, massively impacted by that because of not only COVID impacting everyone, but also impacting their major sponsor. And uh, having signed players like Tielemans, Madison... Um, Daka, Fafana, a few others, to big contracts um, between twenty, I think seventeen and twenty twenty one. They their wage bill has increased by sixty million pounds uh, between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty two, and uh, the contracts of the players also the the value of the players that they've invested in has depreciated substantially um and also the lot of the players they've signed have not been great yeah or at least they haven't been great like on the pitch haven't been great so all of that combined has just sort of seen leicester slowly slowly slide down the table to a point where now i, I when we did our mid-season review i said i still said though that leicester will figure it out i think they're gone now I, I seriously do yeah i don't i don't see a way back from them uh when it's gone when it, like when you really like compartmentalize it and see all the things that have contributed to where they are now and how bad they're on pitch performances despite all the talent they do have in that team it just seems like a it's like it's a, too much yeah yeah I, I i definitely agree with the with the position they like currently find themselves right now it's going to be very very difficult to stay up i still think they're only a couple of players away from being like you know like a mid-table team realistically like they've got issues at centre back, big time, and they've got issues probably, probably in midfield. But yeah. you know, up going forward, they've still got Daco, Vardy, Barnes, and Madison. Um, they've also got Tielemans in midfield, but I, st- I think. But know, he's they, he's a player whose value has depreciated since like they had a chance to sell him for forty five million two seasons ago, and they didn't take the chance, and now his value has dropped off. Yeah. But I think, like you're circulating the context of Manchester United, like how much better every other player on the pitch looks when you have good centre backs and defensive midfielders. True, and that's like, I think that's part potentially the part of the reason why the other players' value is like depreciated because they don't have those kind of like, I don't know, foundations of the team, and that that probably comes back to recruitment, which, like the the video mentioned that um, Rogers kind of changed the the approach to. I think trying to get a few more established. So, so the video also mentioned that you know, in, instead of recruiting young players, um, Rogers kind of changed the recruitment process like subtly, subtly, <laughs> yeah, subtly to bring in more established players. But I think when you look at bringing in someone like Vestergaard, like that's not a bad idea. Yeah, in really. theory, yeah. yeah. I think it just didn't work out. So yeah, because he was Southampton's best centre back when they bought him. Mm, yeah, that's a good. That, that's a good get. Um, but then it doesn't work out and then it looks, then it looks like a bad move. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's obviously the recruitment hasn't been good and that's what's got them here. And that's, what's got them in a position where they just don't have the squad to compete in these last three games. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, it just seems like, (laughs) it seems like a, a couple of really talented individuals in a team that's rotting a bit. 
Yeah. Because you look at their lineups. Castagna's decent, but in a back in the backline that he's in, like not good. Christensen. I mean, he's never wowed me when I've watched Leicester play this season. I, I've never been like he's terrible, but it, it seems to be he seems to be at the level that Leicester seem to be finding themselves at. Like he hasn't elevated them their game at all. Uh, Sayunchu. I'm still baffled as he's, how he's got to move to, to Atletico Madrid because he's been terrible this season when he's even been playing. Uh, Wout Face uh, was a panic buyer when they lost for Fana at the start of the season and has never impressed throughout the entire season. And Harry Suter, I mean, it's too early to really say, uh, but remains to be seen. Yeah, and hasn't been played under... Um, What's his name? Nigel. No. No. No, Nigel was the old... Dean Smith. Dean Smith, that's the name. But yeah, I mean, that's another example. They've brought Harry Sutar in, who's good. Um, yeah, then then the manager changes um, and, and and he's not played and, and th- therefore he's like, I mean, that's a, this is a very small amount of time, but I think that's an example. That's something that's happened at Everton. Um, if you keep changing managers and don't have the, like, the overarching strategy, then the recruitment is just going to f- fail. Yeah. Hundred percent, and then also players like Bubakar Samara, who hadn't been playing under Rogers, who I thought was going to be good when they signed him, but Cinder had, had barely even played minutes under Rogers. Now all of a sudden, he's playing a lot under Dean Smith, and the results haven't got any better. Um, Wilfred and Didi are once once one of the top defensive midfielders in the league. I don't, I, I seems to, like, I haven't watched enough of his game, like ninety minute film, to really feel strongly about it but it seems like he's he's dropped off yeah along with Tillemans and that's a midfield three that one you once would have been like it's impressive and now seemingly not and then yeah you've got Barnes and Madison seeming to be the only focal points of of offense Jamie Vardy has moments but he's 34 so mm-hmm. you know and then yeah Dakar hasn't really worked and Ian Asher hasn't really worked Kenny uh, and uh, Tete is still a January signing that prospect is way too early to call and he's also very young mm. but like you look across the board there and that's like more than 50% of misses on transfers yeah. than hits yeah. and yeah it's where they find themselves now um, and yeah have, have with uh, Liverpool away um, oh sorry Liverpool at home Newcastle away and West Ham at home like I don't see it like all of those all of those teams will have except for West Ham on the final day will have something to play for but they may very well be almost relegated by the time the West Ham game comes around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, like, obviously that there has been, like, issues issues with recruitment. Like, whether... Like, uh, and, yeah, the, the, like the COVID pandemic comes into that with, like, the revenues of King Power and stuff. But it's just... I think it's just hard to be, like, you know, this didn't work. No, this happened, this happened, so therefore this happened. Mm. I think it's just generally sometimes recruitment doesn't work. Yeah, but it's just weird for like a club that was run so well and was like a model for being run so well for for it to fall apart in the matter of two years, three years. But Yeah, I, I think that can sometimes be confused though because they were doing well and they had a model, but it doesn't mean that, you know, they won the Premier League and were playing in the Champions League, so they had... Like their finances looked nice, yeah, because they weren't paying their players that much because they came out of nowhere, yeah. So it all looked really, really good, it, but it can all fall apart so quickly, especially when you don't hit on a few players, yeah. Yeah, well, you don't hit on a few players, but you also you're not a club like Manchester United who, like, they have the money to continue reinvesting 
or you're a club like Man City who relies on you know something that isn't really like that volatile revenue stream yeah so yeah it's tough it's tough um and like yeah like it was weird exactly when, when they sold Wesley Fofana for 70 million and they were spending peanuts on Wout Faves we were all like what's going on and that probably leads to like, they were probably using all that money to pay off debts yeah then invest it and that's ultimately come to bite them in the bum mm. um, but yes it'll be sad to see Leicester go because they have been one of the funnest teams to watch in the Premier League for the last you know seven to eight years but ultimately yeah like it's a like it's not just one or two things that have gone wrong; it's a multitude of things, and that yeah. can ultimately cause it. Cause it. And I also do worry for them if they do drop down because they're going to lose at least five players when they if they if they get relegated, mm. and they won't have the money to reinvest. So they're going to be really shrewd in yeah getting players for the championship. Yeah, I think I do think Harry Sutar will shine in the championship though. Yeah. I think I think they'll be all right. Like they would lose their Premier League quality players, but there's lots of other players in that that team who were like you know, like top top tier Championship level. So true. Um, but yeah, I, I think what the whole thing speaks more broadly to is just like how quickly it can change in the Premier League. Oh yeah, it's the like, most volatile league. Oh, even just pro football in general, like the top five leagues, it it can like for clubs that aren't the top top top, it can change in a blink of an eye. Yeah. I think you even look at like you know Brighton like they have been so well run they've got a great manager but I think you know they lose Caicedo and like one or two other players like it can just change so quickly mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're pushing for Europa League and so. yeah look look at Villa like people were saying under Gerrard they were staring at relegation mm. now Uno Emery's got them potentially challenging, challenging for Europe yeah. they, they play Spurs this weekend and if they win that they're in a European spot yeah yeah crazy anyway um, we've mentioned uh, Liverpool and um, Man United earlier, but we're now going to circle back to them because uh, the top four race is hotting up. Uh, it's only the, the the Brightons, the Villas, the Spurs of the worlds have dropped off out of it to a point, but Liverpool and Man United and Newcastle um, are locked in a fierce battle for the top four. Um, you've got the ladder in front of you there if you want to read out the points. So Newcastle in third on... 65 points having played 34 United also played 34 on 63 points and then Liverpool one point behind but played an extra game so yes Liverpool uh, have gone on a six game winning streak and United have now lost in back to back weeks uh, 1-0 results against Brighton and West Ham to find themselves only one point um, uh, ahead of Liverpool in the title race and with um with the with the game with the game with the game in hand, but Liverpool's games uh, in hand are Leicester, uh, Aston Villa at home, and Southampton, and by then already relegated Southampton. United's games are Chelsea at home and Wolves at home, uh, and Bournemouth and Fulham. So like, slight like slightly harder fixtures for Man United, but um, they do have the game in hand. Yeah, and also more games at home. So it, it, like like. It's still in Man United's hands, but based on form, if I was a United fan, I would be worried. Yeah. Also looking here at the goal differences, so Newcastle plus 32, Liverpool plus 25, and United plus 8. So in a very close kind of um, yeah competition, I suppose, that's going to be a, a big thing. United's uh, serious defeats uh, at the hands of, what was it, City... Uh, 
and Brentford and um, Liverpool this season. Yeah. Coming back to buy them. But it's just, yeah. Again, it can all change so quickly. I mean, everyone was talking earlier in the season about Liverpool, you know, having big, big issues, United flying, potentially pushing for the title. Um, and now, you know, they might be back in Europa League next year. So, yeah. I think there's obviously still really big problems at United. Yeah. Um, Highlighted by the fact that they had two players go down injured and that just crumbled their entire back line. And they're, they're, and they're handing um, their goalkeeper a new contract after... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, a the, terrible season. Really. Yeah, a bad season capped off again by a terrible mistake in the West Ham defeat. Like, I'm sorry, like... I, you can't even call him an elite shot stopper anymore if he's made so many shot stopping errors mm. this season. And it's not, he's made errors with his feet. He's made errors not claiming crosses, and he's also made multiple errors stopping shots, which is seemingly the only good thing that people defend who defend his performances still have left to cling on to. The other thing that happened in that game, I'm not sure if you saw it, but Antonio scored off a corner uh, just after. De Gea went up for a ball. I think it would. I don't know who it was against, but he got nudged slightly and then just went down like a ton of bricks. Yeah, and it got called a foul. I just don't think that's a foul at all. I think it was just like terrible keeping and like really soft as well. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and like that, that's something that De Gea has done in the past. Like he'll he'll feel a l- little bit of contact in the box and just go down. Yeah, I remember a moment in uh, when we when Arsenal played him and uh, he was down on the ground and then Emil Smith Rowe kicked it while he was still down on the ground. And they like went crazy appealing for it, but in the end, the ref was like, "No, you weren't fouled. You were just down yeah, the ground. Yeah. Get up and save That's the true. ball." I remember that. But I think I hate that with keepers because, like, you know, on the pitch, like, it's it's it can be a physical game. Like, you've got to sometimes like body your opponent like off a ball, and like if you're shoulder to shoulder with them and beat them, then it's all right. And essentially, they were shoulder to shoulder, you just fell on the ground. So yeah. But yeah, we I've said we've talked about this on the podcast already. There are so many good young goalkeepers out there who are decent shot stoppers and good with their feet uh, that will not cost you as many points as David De Gea has cost you this season. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's baffling to me that after yet another mistake, they want to bring him back next year. If they, if they're bringing him back with the view to him being like just like a good locker room presence and a backup keeper, sure. But do I see him wanting to do that? In, in, when he's only like what 33 34 years old which is plenty of years left in, in a goalkeeper's career mm. no not at all yeah yeah I think yeah and, and you look at like you know Courtois I will speak about it in a bit but Courtois performance in the Champions League this morning like I don't watch him that much but every time you watch him it's like he is the best keeper in the immense. world immense like yeah. you know that's the sort of thing that United would need is Henderson on loan at Forest? Or did he sign no, for No, he's on I think yeah. he's on But then again, he hasn't been amazing this season either. Yeah, but he's been just pushed out kind of weirdly. Yeah. Yeah, and also Kayla Navas has been keeping it over him. But I think yeah. that's because he was injured, not necessarily because he was playing badly. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, give him a go. Like, It can't be much worse, really. Like, Yeah. Oh, it, can, it can be worse, but like... <laughs> it can obviously always be worse. But it's just like for, for the aspirations United have... He's not the guy. And everyone is... The sooner Ericsson Hagen and everyone realizes that, the better. Mm. But yes, um, very interesting how with how the title race lays. Newcastle by no means are guaranteed to finish in the top four either. Like, they're still... They've, their last four games are against are Brighton at home, relegation battling Leeds, relegation battling Leicester, and Chelsea. So... It is all to play for still. There are only three points separating the teams. Mm. So if you had like 
if you had to pick who's going to finish in the top four, do you see Liverpool jumping in there or do you think the, 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 the four that it is right now will hold out? I kind of get the feeling that Liverpool are going to make it. Me yeah, too. Me yeah. too. I get the feeling, but I don't know who drops out, to be honest. On form, it's probably United. So, wait. Let me just review who <laughs> they've got left. they got two games at home, Chelsea and Wolves, then Bournemouth away, and then Fulham at home. Mm. The, only, the, thing, the only thing that I think could help United is, is, is all the games at home, but it's tricky. Like looking at Newcastle's fixtures, I reckon they'll stay in there. So yeah, I'll I'll make the call that United will drop out. <laughs> if United lose to Chelsea this weekend, they're going to drop out. Mm. Yeah, if they can get a result against Chelsea, I feel a lot, I'll feel a lot better about them staying in. But right now, my pick is they're going to drop out. Like the form just seems to be dipping at the wrong time. I know the two the two losses were away from home and they're a better team at home, but it just doesn't feel like it's clicking right now. Rashford has Rashford has uh, Rashford. I don't see his form hasn't dropped off, but like his production has dropped off substantially in the past month. Like, mm. and yeah, just still without Lissandro Martinez, their De Gea and just what is a terrible spell of form yeah and like like Harry Maguire is so bad that they're like doing a makeshift defence with Luke Shaw and Eric Lindelof at centre back like which worked when they were flying yeah but it's very in the middle of the season but you know now with very high stakes um, it's a little bit harder to yeah yeah. so yeah I think I think the general consensus is we we think um, Liverpool might be jumping in there probably for United uh, lastly, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on before we finish up things, uh, is the Champions League. We've already mentioned it at the top of the program. <laughs> top of the program, listen to us. <laughs> um, uh, Real Madrid uh, played Man City this morning, uh, a one-all draw at the Bernabeu. Um, just have to quietly say this is exactly what I predicted so far uh, last week on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um I know we didn't get a chance to ask you what you would have predicted for both legs, but it, it, I'll press you now. One all for the first leg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, the, the the game tomorrow, and then the second leg of that of that tie next week, and then the second the, the second leg of the tie for the City Madrid game next week. What do you think is going to happen? Before we touch talk about how it went this morning, I do feel like I'm not really in a position to say who's going to win out of the the Milan game, but. Just your gut. What's your gut telling you? <laughs> I like Inter. I like yeah. Inter. Yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll say Inter will win the tie, do you call it? The, the whole thing's a tie. Yeah, the tie. And then the legs are there. Yeah. I'll say Inter will win the tie. Um, and they'll draw the, the away leg. Because, <laughs> yeah, cause it, it, it's, 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 it's AC Milan's home leg, I think, first. Even yeah. though it's at the same, the yeah. same ground. Yeah. Um, but I think the second leg of Real Madrid... City. I don't know now. I think I think before. Wait, no, because didn't we already? Oh no, this was that was predicting Real Madrid versus Chelsea, and then yeah. I predicted that Chelsea was gonna beat them, right? No, I predicted that, and then I went back on it. Yeah, okay, true, true. Um, okay, I I think before the the, the game this morning, I I would have said that like City were gonna come out and actually win by like a couple of goals mm. in this first leg and win the tie, but. I don't know. It's just feeling more and more like Real Madrid last year, where they kind of don't play that well, um, but then just kind of bring out kind of special moments. Mm. And City, you know, they've had this like hoodoo with the Champions League for a while now, and 
they're in a they're in a sticky spot. I think this game has gone actually pretty well for City uh, away from home against the best team in Champions League history to come out with scores of scores essentially level going back to their home ground where they have been phenomenal this season. Mm. Uh, I think this is going not like not perfectly to plan because obviously you would have wanted to win it this morning, but I think it's almost going perfectly to plan. Like Pep, weird that Pep didn't make any substitutes in the game, but yeah, I think next week they're not going to steamroll Madrid, but I think next week Haaland will score because because he, he, I, I don't I don't see him going two legs in a Champions League game without scoring. Um, and I also think that uh, De Bruyne had, uh, despite scoring an absolute world class goal, De Bruyne had an off game and. A few other players had off games too. I think they'll be much better at home. They seem to be playing with a little bit of lack of conviction, a lack of intensity, a lack of maybe belief. They'll have that in front of their home fans. And like I predicted them to win 2-1 in the second league uh, last week, and that's what I'm sticking with. I think they'll win the whole tie. True. All right. Well, I'll just pick Real Madrid to win it then. <laughs> Why not? That's what, that's what Rezik picked too. <laughs> I'll, pick, I'll pick a... Yeah, two one the other way. In the okay, one. sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in terms of the game this morning, um, I think despite City for thirty minutes looked dominant, didn't weren't were a bit passive and could have done a lot more with their ball dominance. But like spent the entire almost the entire first thirty minutes in Real Madrid's half, carved out a few chances, but nothing massively of note. Um, and then, yeah, just one moment of brilliance and they're 1-0 down. Uh, and then Real Madrid looked much better in the second half, but then one moment of brilliance for Man City and it's 1-0. So, mm. yeah, a tale of two halves, really. And I'd say 1-1's probably a fair result. Yeah, yeah. W- watching the highlights in bed this morning, I got very excited when, when that De Bruyne goal got in. Because, yeah, it got... It- it seemed like Real Madrid were getting a little bit nasty. Yeah. Like, that was, like, their kind of... Oh, yeah. ...game plan, almost. Like, Carvajal, the push on Jack Grealish, like... How sure, that wasn't a yellow card is baffling. I think the the only argument that can be made is the ball is still in play, so you've got to make sure he doesn't get it, you know, while it's still in play and, and knock it into the... Because it's still in a semi-dangerous position, but it was it was overkill, for sure. But and he just I think shoved the, him. I think the Tony Cruz one yeah. is, like, terrible. And I think it's it's kind of not technically a red card, but I think it's just as bad. I think that's like terrible. Yeah. yeah. I think, and there's one thing I think kind of flies under the radar and kind of gets called gamesmanship by a lot of people. And it's why why Madrid are so successful is that is they are typically quite a, like, a, like they'll ruffle team's feathers. They're like yeah. low key dirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll just like have a, like three or four players that will like nibble at another team's star players all game and like maybe only get away with one or two yellows. Yeah, uh, and like I'm not necessarily knocking him for that because it's made them so 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 successful. You know, see Sergio Ramos bring Salah down and injure him in the Champions League final, and Sergio Ramos do that to a lot of other players, and Pepe used to do it for them as well. Like, mm. it's 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 a way of playing that has been very fruitful. But it's not if you're if you're if you're trying to watch like a good game of football, it it, it kind of puts a bit of a damper on it. Yeah, um, and also it was annoying because. I know Madrid can play much better football than that, but they seem to just be setting up to soak up City and then hit on the counter. And it's what they essentially did or do all game, really. Except for the second half, they came out of their shell a little bit more. But yeah, um, but I think they kind of also knew that like if they were they, if they were going to try and go toe to toe with in an end to end game with City, they were going to lose because I don't think any any team in the world can go toe to toe with City in an end to end game. Yeah, 
and that's the thing. Like it's 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 the best way to approach it because they have good defenders that can break up play, and then City potentially are out of position, and you've got players like Modric and Camavinga just like open up the midfield in two seconds, and then you're, you're on. So yeah, Camavinga is like a hybrid left back slash midfielder was just incredible. Mm, yeah. The Zinchenko role, if you will. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, like yeah, most touches of anyone on the pitch, uh, the assist for Vinny Junior's goal. Yeah, just just very good. And also, yeah, I thought Carl Walker, like the, the the goal wasn't on him, but I thought Carl Walker actually did a pretty good job on Vinny Junior for most of the game. And and like this is nothing new for Carl Walker. Like people, Carl Walker is so good now and been so good for so long that he almost gets underrated hmm. because he's just like so consistent. But like. Put him on any, yeah. yeah, Put him on any world class winger, and he will do a job. You saw him against Mbappe in, um, yeah, in the PSG tie for no, so that was Bayern. Um, But yeah, you saw him against uh, Mbappe in the World Cup. Yeah, blanketed him. Uh, Invinja didn't blanket him, but like, like I know Invinja's got a world class goal, but like if you if you take that in a vacuum and then look at the rest of the game, (laughs) yeah. But yeah, he does. He done, he done a very good job on him. Even the goal, Vinny Junior's come a long way inside as well. So it's yeah. not necessarily Carl Walker's thing. Um, I mean, I mean, you could talk about maybe Ruben Diaz doing more. But. Yeah, but yeah, I, I just think Carl Walker's done very well. I think uh, Akanji did fine, but I think they were missing Nathan Ake a bit. He's been so good for them at left back this season that, and he was definitely more. He's definitely more effective going forward than Akanji is. I don't think Akanji went forward. I think. Grealish suffered a bit performance-wise because he, like, he could have gone at Carvajal one-on-one more than he did, but he suffered because he was just on an island the entire game. Like he didn't have anyone overlapping or yeah, and was working back a lot yeah. as well. Mm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if they can get Nathan Ake back for the um, what am I, the second leg. But yeah, but uh, yeah, as of right now, I still I I, I still think like. It was one all, and the city didn't play that well. I think city can play a whole lot better, and yeah. I think they will at home. That's the thing. I think city can play better as well. You but mean, it's whether they you mean Madrid? Oh wait, no, city. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I think they have the the ability to play better, but yeah, I also whether think the occasion gets to them because I think it's la- got to them. Yeah, I think last season though as well, like it got to them in the second leg. But I think the second leg was all. I think it was at the Bernabeu. Yeah. So, well, maybe it wasn't, but I feel like it was. Mm, um, I don't know. And we can look it up. Actually, I, 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 we're going to fact check this because because it my, my whole point is going to be proven wrong if it wasn't. <laughs> uh, First leg. Yeah. Second. Yeah. Second leg at at, at, at Madrid. Madrid. So yeah, they crumbled a little bit at at the Bernabeu, where and we've seen so many teams crumble at the Bernabeu in in, in season gone by. Mm. So I think at home they'll feel a lot better, a lot more comfortable. True. Yeah, true. True. Look, look, looking at that is like that's where they had the issue at the Bernabeu last year. But I'm not but, trying. I'm not but, trying. I'm no, not but, trying to like but, convince but, you of my point of view. I'm just trying to. But by the same token, they had a close first leg and yeah. then got blown out in the second leg. So yeah. Very interesting. There's two sides. Very of the interesting. Coin, really, yeah. Isn't yeah. <laughs> But yes, uh, by the time this goes out, the first leg of uh, AC Milan and Inter Milan will have already happened. So our 
points of view on this are null. Uh, I think AC Milan's... I think it's going to be a draw to... No, I think AC Milan's going to win tomorrow and then Inter's going to... It's going to be a draw next week. Um, so I think AC Milan are going through. I think that's th- I'm pretty sure that's what I said next week, last week. But yes, uh, I'm sure any, any of those who are listening to this right now will have already seen that result happen. So uh, what, what will be will be. Uh, but yes, that, that'll see us uh, through to the end of another episode. I think this was episode 95. We're closing in on the on the big three figures. I'm really hoping the big three figures falls after the season finishes so we can do like a big end of season. Yeah. Extravaganza. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yes, if as always, if you've liked listening to what you've heard and to us, uh, follow us on Spotify. Uh, if you really like it, give us a five-star rating and follow us on our podcast, 40yardswitch.pod uh, to... Uh, be on the lookout for when we post a story because when we post a story is when we post an episode that's all from us we'll see you next time